There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. So, Rachel, you saw Simon Armitage perform at I did. Dubai Opera. It was an it's, it was an incredible evening, wasn't it? Oh. I have never seen such a lineup. Literally, yes. I used to teach English, and half of the curriculum were there that evening yes. on stage. And the ones that weren't part of my kind of teaching experience were people like Afra Atik and Harry Baker, who I think are the best performers in the world. So it was an amazing evening. It, it really, really was. And of course, Dubai Opera is an incredible venue, yeah. and um, it it was you know two thousand seater, and to get people to come out midweek um, to fill Dubai Opera was an incredible feat. And actually, um, I think it just shows how important poetry is. So Simon Armitage is now the Poet Laureate for the next 10 years. And he's he's very keen to write poems about climate change, about um, caring for the planet, about air quality, which is another big thing uh, in UK at the moment. Uh, he was the professor of poetry at Oxford University. I think he's now the professor of poetry at Leeds University or somewhere, somewhere else. Um, uh, and I just think... It is a wonderful choice. It uh, really is, because not only he writes beautifully, obviously, yes. but he, he's so down to earth and it feels really real. I can't imagine anybody, you know, some people think that poetry is kind of highbrow or not for everyone. He's the perfect example of and why that's And he does say wrong. that. He does say that in his first sort of post as Poet Laureate that, um, you know, um, there's been talk about it being, you know, someone from a different ethnic diversity. And he said, I am from the other. He said in many, many different ways. It's a really interesting article by him on his um you know the credentials he's bringing he is not you know sir so and so and he has had a sort of a very privileged life so he writes for every person yes right i want to move on now to a line that i think you'll be familiar with in the light of the moon a little egg lay <laughs> on a leaf I who know knows that. what book that opening Me. line is from am i allowed to say yes you are the hungry caterpillar how hungry was the caterpillar? He was so hungry. So hungry. So do you know what the very hungry caterpillar was nearly called? This was um, in an article recently in The Telegraph. It, it nearly had a very different title. I do not know. What do you think it might have been? Any guesses? Same story. Same story, different title. The hungry butterfly. Butterfiller. Butterfiller. <laughs> butterfiller. We're creating between words. the two. <laughs> In the chrysalis, that it's a butterfiller. just a natural butterfiller. Okay, <laughs> butterfiller. that's one of my favourites. Do you know what one of my grandsons calls? Um, 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 what did he call him? I have to remember what he calls the butterfly. He could go, it, it was a. Oh, it will come to me. It was a really wonderful one of those little children's words that he made up his own. Um, his his own word for it. I think I used to call it a flutterby. Ah, he called it. Um, something flutter. I, I, I will try and remember it over the course of the next um, t hour that we're on air. So stay tuned for that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the very hungry caterpillar was nearly called Willy the Worm. Oh, Doesn't have poor, quite the poor same. alternative. And he's not a worm. Exactly. No, no. Um, but the, anyway, this is a lovely interview in The Telegraph with the author, Eric Carl. So if you'd like to read that i do recommend it but there are some lovely trivia bits in there that i had no i knew it was popular but i didn't realize in terms of numbers how popular that book was so a copy is sold every 15 seconds wow um and a stage adaptation has been seen by almost a million children and also a couple of weeks ago a species of spider was named after the author for its resemblance to the caterpillar 
Interesting. So all of that identity a, crisis for this podcast. <laughs> I know there's this poor spider. I do wonder. Um, some other stories that caught my eye that I w- wondered if I could get your opinion on. Slightly controversial headline here. Brett Easton Ellis, author of American Psycho, said last week that um, millennials don't read. Apparently, he said this in an article in the Times. He says, "What is millennial culture? There is no writing. None of them read books." Now, that may be a slightly sweeping generalisation <laughs> by Brett Do you think? <laughs> yes. Do you think? Um, but then it, there was another article kind of linked to that in The Guardian that asked the question whether or not American Psycho would have been published today. And it explored some interesting questions. So one interesting bit was the fact that, you know, the trivia that I think a lot of people know that Brett Easton Ellis received 13 death threats before American Psycho was even published and he had to sign a declaration saying that he had read them all and that way if somebody did like murder him his parents couldn't sue the publisher and that was in 1991 so part of why this article how this article begins is they say you know would this happen today but they go on to say that there are so many books that are being published that are you know controversial graphic in some way I mean A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara that was on my favourite, favourite book. I mean, ever. it's not light in any way, shape or 800 form. 800 plus pages and, and harrowing. But um, is it him that goes on to say, um, oh no, it's Leila Simani yeah. who so, goes on to say, I hate the expression feel good books. The meaning of a book is to awaken you, to make you feel alive, to make you open your eyes and look at human beings differently. What a way of summing up what a good book does. I, oh, sorry, go. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you all about because my initial reaction to Leila Slamani, who's one of the authors that they say is like Hany, Hanya Yanagihara writing about difficult subjects, that when I saw this sentence, I hate the expression feel-good books, the meaning of a book is to awaken my first thought was, who are you to decide what a book is supposed to mean to me? Also, I don't think that's what's trending at the moment. From what I understand, it's this idea of uplit, which is the idea it's not feel good. It's saying that the world can be awful. It'll introduce all these things that can be wrong. However, people do want to come out at the end feeling that there is hope. And that might be part of the environment at the moment, political situations. So to describe something as feel good suggests it's sort of superficial and empty, whereas there's something deeper that hope, um, you know, hopeful maybe is more accurate. I know that you're a fan of tragedy over comedy mm. as well, which is why I was I wanted to talk but to I'm you about this. But I'm also a great optimist. So why <laughs> why do I love tragedy? You know, King Lear is my favourite of all Shakespeare plays. Snap, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, my favourite book of all time, for whom the bell tolls, has a very um, sad ending. But it it I don't know what it is, but you know, I don't like. I don't like books all to be tied up um, neatly at the end because I don't believe that mirrors life. And so I think there are some amazing tragic books out there that um, teach us so much. And I, I don't think they're hopeless. It's not that they're hopeless, but they're saying in a way, in the deepest adversity, you can still take hope. And it may not all end happily ever after, but things don't end happily ever after often. I think children's books, it's essential that they have a happy ending because, I, uh, you know, even if they've got like Dogger where, you know, um, uh, something is lost or if an animal dies or if, if they've got to deal with a difficult subject, it still has to have uplifting. I don't think it's fair to expect children um, not to have that when they are still forming their emotional sort of maturity. But maybe, but, that, maybe that helps to form the emotional maturity as well if you, if you did have more books like that for children. Yes, yes. I mean, I think I think um, 
there is um, there is definitely something in that. Um, but I also think that children get very. Um, um, they sometimes can't get over things. Feel things very deeply. Black yes. beauty. I was traumatized yes. for about a year after yes. I read that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Those kind of books where they, um, uh, they sort of. Um, I can remember re- listening to something on the car radio. My father was driving me, and I must have been about seven, uh, and dropping me off at school. And it was talking about a crisis of a, a, a you know, a huge humanitarian crisis in Pakistan. Um, and that, you know, people were dying. And I said, you have to do something now to stop this. People can't die. Um, you know, and I was really upset with him that he wasn't immediately putting it right. Because in my view, my parents were superheroes and could do anything. And how was it right that someone was dying? I mean, because I lived in my own little bubble where no one died. You know, I, I can remember being traumatized when uh, our cat, when I was 10, was run over. I mean, and the, sort of the idea... You, you sort of do tend to be protected. And then you think about all these children growing up in refugee camps and war zones, how, how, how terrifying it must be for them. And I think that part of the problem, arguably at the moment, is there is a bit of a lack of empathy. And I think if more children did read books and understood how other people live, then it might help that. But I agree, you can't end with an absolutely miserable ending so they feel there's no hope. But with, before you get to the hopeful ending, you can explore all sorts of emotions. Speaking of hopeful endings and a bit of benevolence in the spirit of Ramadan as well, one final story that I want to leave you with is this lovely little one from the States, specifically Missouri. A gift from a stranger tucked into a book set off a chain of random acts of kindness this past week. Um, It's the headline that I stumbled across on CNN. Picture this, you and your friends, you make a promise to yourselves to read more books this year. So you go out and you buy a book. You buy a self-help book. You get home and you find $5 and a note inside. How would that make you feel? Very happy. If it was a pleasant note anyway. (laughs) Not something (laughs) awful. What did it say? So what it said was, um, I was, this is paraphrasing slightly, I was having a tough day. I thought maybe I could brighten someone else's with this little surprise. Remember that you are loved, you are amazing, you are strong. And the lady was called, um, she's called Ashley Dost. She's from Missouri. Um, She's 27 years old. And the, the book caught her eye when she was out shopping. She began reading it when she got home. And then she found that surprise waiting for her. Um, and she shared it on Twitter, and since then it's encouraged a lot of people to pay the kindness forward with their own and random stick act. money in books. You're going to have a lot of people that didn't previously go in bookshops. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, one way to get more people reading, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think closer to home we have Ramadan fridges, which is mm. amazing. And there is a house near us where there is um, it's it's there is such a big crowd every day, and the ladies of the house are out there and um, putting together wonderful uh, meals for um, those that may be away from home, can't cook their own food, or you know, are on a much more limited budget. And I think the idea of Ramadan fridges, of sharing food um, with those, you know, less well off is is such an incredible thing. And you see it all over. You see it all over Dubai. And um, I was just taken, really taken by this this family near us. And I want to go and actually video it today and just put it out there and say, you know, this is in the spirit of Ramadan, where the ladies of the house are out there it's like a soup kitchen, but not. Um, what a wonderful act of kindness that is to do it every day for Ramadan. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.